Amen. If you're listening on Zoom, you're going to have to download later on the worksheets that we are going to give out. Or if you're listening online later, um, there's worksheets that you're going to, you can download as part of uh, online on the website that will just help you as we go through this. Um, otherwise, it's going to sound a bit bitsy. Uh, also, I would highly recommend that those of you who all raised your hand for fasting, when we asked the same question about Sabbath, there were like five hands in the room. I'd highly recommend that after today, all of you go back and listen to the Sabbath message and figure out how to do that well, because it sounds like you know how to do fasting a little bit at least, if not well already. But we'll, we'll, let's, let's get good at all of them, yeah. right? Um, Plato, the Greek philosopher and the, uh, f- the uh, father of kind of higher education in the Western world said, I fast for greater physical and mental efficiency. Paracelsus, who was one of the fathers of Western medicine, said fasting is the greatest remedy, the physician within. Um, In terms of religions, Buddhists, Hindus, Jews, Mormons, Muslims, and various other religions all fast. It's not a Christian kind of thing to do. Um, In terms of Christian denominations, John Wesley was famous uh, for his stance on fasting. He wouldn't ordain a Methodist minister Unless, he fasts, unless a Methodist minister fasted on Wednesdays and Fridays or committed to doing so. Um, who would like to be a Methodist minister? Raise your hand. <laughs> Few and far between. Um, but Jesus assumes that his followers fast. In Matthew 6, Jesus says, when you fast. Uh, there's a difference, obviously, to if he had said, if you fast, or should you decide to fast. But Jesus just makes the assumption that his followers, obviously from Jewish descent, are going to fast and goes, well, when you fast, and then he explains to them and teaches them how, they sh- how their fasting should be different to kind of a religious fast or fasting for the wrong motives or in- intentions. And then he teaches them how to do a proper fast. But Jesus' assumption isn't, he doesn't teach them about fasting, he just teaches them how to do it well. Um, so when we're talking about this spiritual practice today and we uh, want to keep it to grow Christ-like fruit, We aren't talking about fasting to improve our mental or physical efficiency. That's not why we're going to do it. We we don't want to do it uh, for medical reasons. We aren't doing it because of religious tradition or to qualify ourselves for a higher church office. If you fast on Wednesdays and Fridays, you can replace Jeannie as uh, the accounts person. Uh, That's not one of the standards in the job description. Um, And we're not fasting to diet or to try to manipulate God to give us what we want Um, or to uh, get a kind of like a spiritual shortcut. Um, None none of those things are good reasons to fast in terms of this spiritual practice. They all are reasons in and of themselves to consider fasting, but it's not the fast that we're looking at today. Um, So, firstly, uh, when we're thinking about Christian fasting, what we want to look at today is what is the gospel plot line? What's the narrative uh, the Christian narrative, and, and how does gospel? Uh, sorry, how does fasting fit into the gospel narrative? So, firstly, um, humanity is made full. When we think about the Garden of Eden, humanity made full. And, and as we go through this today, I'm going to do a bit of teaching, but then we're also going to do a bit of stuff in, in our groups. Uh, I want you to keep picking up on the word "empty" because that's really what fasting is is helps us uh, do, or it. it um, opens up to us the reality of our emptiness. We're going to see it in a bit. I'm jumping, but I want you to just keep your ear out for emptiness or empty um, versus full. So humanity is made full without lack. In Genesis 2 verse 8 to 9, it says, The Lord God planted a garden in Eden, and there He put the man whom He had formed. 
And out of the ground uh, the, the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. So the food was there for Adam and Eve to feast in the presence of God. God made them full uh, in His presence. And eating was part of celebrating God's goodness. They would be in God's presence with God, and then they would be taking the good food that God has delivered to them very uh, casually, very comfortably, eating it, tasting it, seeing that it's delicious, seeing that it's wonderful, seeing that it uh, nourishes their bodies, and it would all be in His presence, and the goodness of the food would be a kind of a taste and see that the Lord is good, and, uh, and they would be able to worship and celebrate God. So eating was a worshipful experience. It was something done in the presence of God that helped them to celebrate that God is good. Do you understand that? Um, so, so we were made full, without lack, and eating was part of our worship. So eating was connected to tasting and seeing that God was good, and it was essential to our fellowship with God. Then humanity became empty or lacking. So instead of enjoying God and celebrating God's presence, Adam and Eve uh, had this disobedient ambition to be God. That's what the serpent convinced them about, is if you can eat of that thing that God has told you not to eat of, then you will become like God. And that was the attractive part of the lie, was that they could be on equal standing with God, that they could si- not necessarily sideline God, but they, they could essentially sideline God by becoming like God. Uh, they could be God. And so they decentered God from life and they centered, uh, centered their lives around themselves. They became human-centered, self-centered. We live in a humanistic world. Put yourself first. Do what's right for you. We, we, and so they, they did this and they took of what God said, don't take, with the ambition, with the intention of becoming like God. And so for the first time they ate in disobedience to be God's. They ate without worship. They ate without celebrating God's goodness. They ate not because God was good, but because they fundamentally wanted to be good themselves, equally good as God. They were trying to to, uh, reach a God-like status. And so eating, obviously, like this is idolatry. And food was for their self-fulfillment, not as uh, an expression of worship with God and, and God's goodness. And so they took the free gift that God had given them. There was no food to buy, no groceries to shop at. Just the goodness for them, for free, um, given to them by a gracious God. And they took these good things and they turned them into gods. They made them what they weren't supposed to be. Justin Ely writes it like this. He says, they ate to become God instead of to celebrate God. So through our rebellion against God, our relationship with God gets broken. You, you see that. We're no longer fellowshipping with God, worshipping God, seeing in all of life the things that we see are, that are beautiful. We see God's goodness in that. The things that we hear are beautiful. We hear God's goodness in that. The things that we taste that are beautiful, we taste God's goodness in that. We no longer, but now we're pursuing all things in life for ourselves, for our self-centeredness. It's no longer about the fellowship with God. It's no longer about His goodness. Now it's about our goodness. It's about our status. It's about where we're taking our lives, our own self-fulfillment. Um, and life becomes humanistic in this way. And so now we eat to reduce our emptiness rather than to celebrate God's goodness. 
Think about it. Not, not just the act of eating, but the pursuit of things. Most of the time, it's a distraction from the emptiness that we feel. For a workaholic, the scariest thing is to not work, not to not eat. Take away work, and they have to face the meaninglessness. Meaninglessness is a form of emptiness of their life. Take away food, and, and emptiness is exposed. The emptiness of my tummy exposes something far deeper, the emptiness of my soul. And so we eat to reduce our emptiness rather than to celebrate God's goodness. We, we disguise it if we, uh, in, a, in a sense, if we feel full uh, w- with food and full with work and full with experiences and full with relationships and full with enough money and full with, th- then we don't have to feel the emptiness. We don't have to feel the vulnerability. We don't have to feel the aloneness. We don't have to feel the brokenness of our lives. The emptiness that we feel points to us, uh, sorry, points to our need of God and His presence Stubbornly and pridefully, we do our best to fill our feelings of emptiness with food, as a list, with entertainment, with work, with busyness, with pleasure, with adventure, with friends, with invitations, with likes. We cover our emptiness with various forms of comforts. What are those things that comfort you? If you put a post on Instagram and no one likes it, emptiness is exposed. If friends get together and you're not there, an emptiness gets exposed. If you miss a meal, you don't eat something, an emptiness gets exposed. If someone treats you unjustly, an, an emptiness gets exposed. The injustice of it, your, your attitude back, an emptiness gets exposed. If you reflect on the, the depth of your long for friendships and don't find that, an emptiness gets exposed. If you, I can keep going all day, and in all various forms. I love the way that um, I really appreciate Malcolm allowing Lizzie to be so vulnerable. We all know Lizzie; he didn't allow anything. She just was vulnerable. <laughs> <laughs> but it's saying that she tried to find that kind of satisfaction in her marriage and family, and they couldn't do that. That's not what God made them for. There's nothing wrong with the marriage and family. It's just they can't fill the emptiness that only God can satisfy. They can only be what God has made them to be. And so we habitually take the good gifts that God has given us and we replace Him with them to disguise the emptiness. So in God's presence and in fellowship with God, we are satisfied and made full. He gives us everything that we need. But because we are not walking with God as we should or because God is not central to our relationship in life, our, our life, so we are central There is all various forms of emptiness, and so we pursue various forms of comfort, and we try to make them do what God alone can do into our lives. You go, isn't this supposed to be about fasting? We're getting there. So fasting is a gracious rebellion from a standard operating procedure. How does life usually work? How do do people usually go about their days? What does your schedule usually look like? Fasting is a rebellion against, against this uh, standard operating procedure. And, and this morning I want to say it's, it's, a, uh, it's a rebel confrontation. You're choosing uh, to face something. Um, and we're going to talk about that now. So fasting, what, how is fasting as a rebel confrontation? Ely writes this. Listen, I'll try and read it slowly. Try and listen to what he's saying. It's very good. Fasting is a way to resist the original sin of trying to eat our way to happiness 
and to force ourselves to look to God for our fullness. Lean into the truth. We are empty without God. So it's this like chosen thing that we choose to see that we're empty without God. And a lot of our leaning is not towards God. It's, it's um, you, you, you volunteer for this. Adele Calhoun, who, who's written a great textbook on the spiritual habits. If you're a reader, buy her. It, it's the, probably the cheapest textbook you'll ever buy. It's about 30 or 40 bucks. And it's just the best spiritual uh, exercises handbook. It's, it's just brilliant. I can't believe it's not double or triple its price. But she writes this. A fast is the self-denial of normal necessities in order to intentionally attend to God in prayer, bringing attachments and cravings to the surface. That's what emptiness allows. All these attachments and cravings show themselves. uh, Opens a place for prayer. The physical awareness of emptiness is the reminder to turn to Jesus, who alone can satisfy. So in fasting... One of the things that happens is you become hungry, but that's not the, the point. Now, if you were using fasting as a diet, your hunger would trigger that maybe you're starting to lose weight, and that would bring you joy, That right? A, a fast as a diet. That's not how it works as a spiritual exercise. When you feel your hunger, there's not a sense of joy. Uh, when you feel your hunger, there's a sense of awareness of the emptiness of my life without the presence of God. The sense of reality of I need to God. And the joy is in turning to Jesus and embracing Him and being able to say, I see how much I need you. I see how vulnerable I am without you. I see the areas of my life where uh, you still need to be made King and Lord of my life. So fasting confronts our need for God and His presence that we place with food and other good gifts. And listen to this, it exposes our emptiness and reorientates us to embrace our need for God to fill our life with His presence. It exposes our emptiness and enables us to embrace our need for God in our lives with His presence. Right? Fasting, what a great gift. So what happens when you fast? Three things I want to discuss, and we're going to discuss them together in our groups as well. What happens when you fast? Number one, We voluntarily lay down our life as it is in order to find it again in God as it should be. We voluntarily lay down our life as it is. So you choose to fast because we're not all Methodist ministers. You don't have to do it Wednesday and Friday, but it's very good. I'm going to suggest at the end that you make a weekly habit of it, that you pick a day or you pick a meal and that you make it a habit, a rhythm in your life that you can expose the emptiness habitually and, and often. I, want to say, I, I do want to say that I'm not a, I don't have a history of great fasting. I've fasted more this year than I've fasted probably ever in my life accumulatively. But all I'm trying to say is, uh, I'm not standing here as the expert, but I, I am as someone who's fasting more and more, seeing the reality of how it does help expose the emptiness and embrace God. It really is a beautiful gift to us. So we volunteer for this, to lay down our lives in order to find God and the life as it should be. Number two, we begin to recognize what controls us and what our appetites really are. Um, what, are what we're going to do together, NASA's, uh, there's 40 of these sheets. They're going to go out now. Uh, there's four sides. Uh, just look at the first side with me, if you can, as they come to you. If you're a couple, maybe just take one and look at it together. Um, 
and let's see in different groups. So I'm just going to start for the sake of time. How do we recognize what controls us and our appetites? And all I did here um, was, you'll see it in a moment, all I did was put in a, a, a column what an empty life looks like and what a full life looks like. There you see it. Emptiness, so uh, all the perversions of good, and this list can go on indefinitely. This is, this is just me trying to have a look at it. And then there's full in God. So uh, whatever is good. This is what uh, Paul writes to the Philippians. You know, think on these things. Whatever is good, whatever is lovely, whatever is pure, think about these things. Focus on these things. Give your attention to these things. Um, so the life as it should be. And, and the contrast. So, the, so the, the emptiness category would be the, the, um, the, the emptiness. <laughs> Sorry, that's the word I was looking for. Empty. The left column is the empty life. And the right column is what we want to embrace, what we want to engage with, right? And then what I've thought about is just love. Paul talking about love, right? Paul, Paul, uh, Paul says, this is love. This is what love looks like. So just saying, okay, if this is empty and this is sincere love, what, what would it look like? So this is me playing with it, okay? It might look, um, you can go on and on for days. So... An empty life, let's say lust or an appetite for things that God has prohibited, full in God looks like a desire for what is lovely. So if I, uh, in my fast, the good fast, expose it, if, I, if I'm someone who has lust in my heart, by fasting it might expose this, I might see it, and I'll be able to turn to God and go, God, I see the ugliness that's in my heart, uh, it's exposed, I want to learn to love those things that are lovely and pure and good and holy. Won't you please have an effect on my heart? Do you, do you see how we kind of, it exposes the emptiness. What about negativity? If I'm a person that's becoming prone to negativity, uh, as I fast and that may get revealed that, that, uh, that this is how I am. This has become my kind of standing operating procedure. I'm stuck in a negative mode. Uh, I'll be able to turn to Jesus and go, Lord, your words talks about how love is also ex an experience of joy, but I don't have that in my life. I'm not someone who is experiencing joy or who's helping others experience joy or speaks in a way that brings joy or interprets situations in a way that is joy-filled. I'm stuck in negativity. May I embrace you. Help me to leave my emptiness and experience the fullness of life in your presence. Why don't you in your groups just take a couple of minutes and talk through those, uh, just read them together. Um, and this, this, is, this is the question I'd ask you to answer to each other. What is one that kind of jumps out as you, at you as that would be great to experience the fullness of God in that way in my life? Does that make sense? It's not a confessional time. Don't unpack the emptiness. Just unpack the longing for fullness. Uh, you've only got a couple or three minutes, so you don't have long to chat. I'm interrupting conversations. Uh, we're going to chat, chat about a couple of other things as well, so let me, let me go on. If you go through this and you find, you know, as you're walking with the Holy Spirit, He, he reveals to you, hey man, you, spend, you, you waste a lot of time with entertainment, and you realize that's kind of a place you're running to. Every time you're bored, you just turn on entertainment just so that you're distracted from the feeling of boredom. Boredom is a very good thing. It's a very helpful emptiness. You should never run away from it. You should embrace it. Boredom is shouting to you, you are nothing without God. Um, you should embrace it and turn it to worship. 
but most of us, uh, me included, run from boredom to something pleasurable, exciting, entertaining, fun, because we hate the meaninglessness that, that it shouts at us. But embrace it. So the Holy Spirit shows, shows you, hey, you, you're, you're, you're just spending too much time in entertainment. Take a month. Say, okay, I'm going to fast from entertainment and turn to God. God, I'm running to this thing to expo- because it, it hides my emptiness from me. I'm, I'm facing, I'm confronting my emptiness that I run, I'm running from. Please help me, um, God, to rather seek your presence than to hide in entertainment. Please take this out of my heart. You and I aren't the perfect gardeners of our hearts. We need help. And so through fasting, you can do that. Put it away and say, God, help, help me to get this out of my heart. Um, and you can, with all these other things, fast all these other things. But it's not all about you, right? And it's not all about me. The third thing that fasting is helpful for is that we begin to empathize with the sufferings of others. So if you look at the next page, uh, what, we empathize with the sufferings of others. So I'll just read a couple of these off and then we're going to discuss in our groups. Uh, someone's suffering with sickness. Well, if I fast with them or fast for them, maybe they can't fast because of the sickness, I can feel the discomfort and I can pray for God's presence with them for healing and for the longing of God's redemption of all things. I can join them, right? Fasting, we know that sickness isn't, isn't the natural state that God made humanity. We know that Jesus is going to restore all things. And so I can enter into their suffering. I can empathize with them and I can cry out to God for their healing with a sense of the emptiness and the suffering. Does that make sense? Um, if they can't fast, please don't make them, uh, especially if they're sick. Suffering famine, suffering injustice. What about injustice? I, I can fast and I can, when you fast, you get hungry. When you get hungry, you get angry. <laughs> At least some of us do. You get impatient. You, you feel, you, anyone here else get hangry? Most of us, right? Okay, so embrace that. Fast, fast food. Uh, feel the impatience. Feel the, ugh, um, but not in an unrighteous way. Focus all of that emptiness on God's heart for justice. As Cheryl read out of Isaiah this morning, that Jesus is always about justice. If you want to find Jesus, as Michael Eaton said, go to the poor. Go, go to those who are suffering injustice. Go to those who don't have food. You'll find Jesus' presence right there. That's, that's what, who He's interested in. Uh, he's told us that in the Scriptures already. Fortunately, we are also poor and suffering and weak, and so Jesus is interested in us as well. Um, so feel angry and impatient for them, and pray for God's mercy and justice to be experienced in their lives, and ask God to open up your heart and your hands to any area that He might open for you to be involved, but ultimately longing for the restoration of all things, for justice to come, right? Uh, Justin Early writes in his book, The Common Rule, he, he gives us wonderful testimony about barrenness. They had a couple of barren friends, and uh, they agreed as a group to uh, take a month and fast, not for the whole month, I think they took turns within the month, uh, to fast for these two couples and to pray for God to fill their wombs. They, they couldn't uh, have children. And every year they would go away, they'd go camping together, and every year, they, so, so th- this year was a sad year because there were these two couples who, as they went around celebrating uh, the great joys of what God has done, there, was, there were these two couples who were uh, suffering through something they'd longed for but hadn't come through. So they, they fasted and prayed, and the follow, he tells about the following year as they sat there, how they all celebrated, and he gives the names of the two children who had been born since then, 
uh, as both couples got pregnant the month after they fasted or the month that they did fast but found out they were pregnant the month after. Uh, he goes on to say that they've also fasted for other things that God hasn't miraculously answered, but there's, a, there's an example of both, right? So there's an example. They've fasted for the barrenness. God, please fill their wombs. Please give them life. Please give them this good gift of children. God comes through. They fasted for some other things. God didn't answer the prayers exactly as they prayed them. Uh, so again, it's not a magic pill that you, you just don't take. Uh, fasting, you don't take it. Um, <laughs> That just, God, you get God's attention. Oh, sorry, you know, who gets to hear, who does God listen to today? Well, whoever's fasting, that's who he listens to first. That's not how it works. But as they cried out to God, uh, embraced the suffering of their friends and cried out to God, um, God, God answered their prayer and they could celebrate and worship him for their good. But there's suffering. So take time in your groups and just, uh, again, let's take two or three minutes and let's just look at those things and name one thing that you're aware of you could join you could empathize with. You think you know someone or you're someone that you, you think you could join this, you could empathize in this way. You could t- take a day this week or next week or next month and you could fast with this in mind and you could pray. You could turn your attention uh, to God and embrace Him and pray for His presence in this situation and His breakthrough. And if not now, then for the redemption of all things uh, eventually. And I don't say if as in lacking of faith. I'm just saying it humbly to go, we don't know everything God has planned. Therefore, we cry out as best we can for, for the things that we, we want, that we believe are right. But we humbly know that God will eventually redeem all things. So just take a moment in your group and, and what is one thing that you, to you stands out that you could embrace the suffering of someone else? Sorry to interrupt again. The question I want to answer now, now obviously, sorry, that list obviously is you, you can go on also, not, not indefinitely, but you could keep going on. There's a lot more you can add to that. There's a lot more versions of suffering that people experience, right? But, but when you, this is, a, this is a wonderful tool to have in, in your kit bag, that when you experience someone that's in a moment of suffering, you can say, hey, I'll be fasting for you this week, and I'm going to pray for you this week. And then I'm going to follow up in a week or two, and I want to hear what God has done. Um, I'm ex- I, not, not I'm excited, because remember the person's suffering, but I'm expectant that God is going to come through for you, and He's going to show Himself in one way or the other. And you encourage their faith, but you also come alongside and embrace their suffering with them, right? It's a wonderful kit. So who should fast? Oh, boy. Here we go. Most of you have already tried. Isn't fasting one of those things we wish we could just do and then not have to do again, like year 12 exams? You do it once and then they're over. Fasting feels like that, like, I've done it. Can't I, like, not do it again? Uh, It's not like that. It's like faith. Once God's taken you on a faith journey, that just readies you for the next one. Um, And fasting is the same. So who should fast? Adele writes this. She says, anyone who wants to let go of an appetite in order to seek God on matters of deep concern for other, myself, and the world. Basically, anyone who has any love of God in their hearts for themselves or other people or the world should fast. Anyone like that here? A room full of you. Okay. But I want to add to this, and and I'm going to ask you to say I or yes or eh or like just, just say something so that you know that you've responded if I describe you, okay? Anyone who wants to unearth their appetites. 
can someone just say a word as well, not just a grunt, just, just for my sake, just to remind me that we're in a smart room. Just, there was a bit of sophistication to yours, that's right. Anyone who wants to embrace God over everything else. Okay, can I just pause there? I'm going to try to say this with all the love in my heart, and I'm saying this to myself as well. We are far too good at acknowledging the right thing and far too bad at actually wanting the right thing. I would be astounded if there was anyone in this room who actually cognitively would say, no, I don't want to embrace God over everything else. But I'd also be astounded if we looked into each other's hearts, if it were entirely true that everyone who said yes actually wants to embrace God over everything else. Do you know why I say that? Because God hasn't built walls between Himself and us. Through Christ, He's torn down those walls. And when we want Him over everything else, He has parted the Red Sea. He has put the blood of the Lamb over our doorposts. He has crucified His Son and raised Him to life. He has sent His Spirit. He has given us His Word. He has given us His church. He has given us prayer. He has given us and given us and given us and said, The door is open. Come. Now, it doesn't mean we always get it right. I'm talking about desire. I'm not talking about perfection. When we want Him, He doesn't put walls or a job description or qualifications. I'm saying this as good news to you, I hope, not bad news, to say, hey, cognitively you know what's the right thing, but if you can get that all the way down to your heart, or it is really coming out of your heart, good news. Do something about it, because there's no barriers between you and God. He has torn them down. Anyone who needs God, uh, sorry, is there anyone who needs God's life in their life? Yes, me. Well, you're a good candidate for a fast. Anyone who knows someone who is suffering and needs God to break through? Anyone who knows suffering in the world and desires change? Anyone who wants to long for Jesus' return and the redemption of all things? I wrote it that way for myself because sometimes I'm standing on the beach and it's so perfect, I'm not sure I actually want Jesus to come back just then. (laughs) But I do want to want Jesus to come back soon. And so fasting is a way for me to unearth the emptiness, how other things are satisfying my soul, and to embrace a longing for Christ's return and the redemption of all, all things. We, like children, can love things that aren't the best for us more than the things that are. We, we haven't outgrown that. So how do we prepare for a fast and how do we do a fast? Okay. If you go to the next page, you see developing a habit of fasting. Um, Do you see that? Yeah? So everyone who said yes, you're a good candidate for fast. You should seriously consider it. Um, There's a reminder. Here's some guidelines uh, that we can read through. Let me just read through some of them for us now. Don't fast when traveling, pregnant, or nursing. 
There are a number of sicknesses and diseases that if, you have some, uh, if someone has, they shouldn't fast either. Um, don't fast if you're in a hurry to get immediate results regarding some decision. Fasting is not a magic thing to manipulate God with. Um, stay hydrated. Drink lots of water. If you're new to fasting, start by uh, missing one meal. Spend time with God instead of that meal or during that meal. If you're going to fast for a long time, check in with your doctor. By, you know, if you're going to go for a whole week or... I've had friends who fasted for 40 days. Um, you know, just check in with your doctor. Uh, make sure that you're ready to go or how you should be prepared or what you should monitor for. Um, if you're going to make fasting part of your spiritual practices, give your body time to adjust. You may lack energy. You may need to adjust your schedule or routine. You may need breath mints. <laughs> Seriously, for the sake of all of us, if you're fasting and you're going to see one of us, get some gum or take a breath mint. It won't ruin your fast, even if your tummy gets a little bit of sugar, that's okay. Uh, it will benefit our fellowship. Uh, for a good 24-hour fast, begin the fast after supper and fast until uh, supper the next day. That's just a very helpful way to do it, maybe because you sleep through eight hours of those 24. I'm, I'm kidding, but it's just a very helpful and natural way to do it. Um, break your fast gently. Don't eat too much. Your body needs time to adjust again. And if you're going to fast, just be, be clear about if there's other people who need to know. If you're in a family situation or uh, a group situation, if you're a community group leader and you guys usually eat together and then everyone arrives and there's no food because as a community group you've deci- leader, you've decided everyone's going to join your fast, um, let them know beforehand, hey, I'm probably not going to be eating tonight. It's going to be tough to make a meal. Um, could you, everyone, just bring? Or... Mom, Dad, I've chosen to fast. Uh, please don't cook for me. Um, right? Sometimes we over-spiritualize it and we don't want to let anyone know because Jesus spoke against the Pharisees who let everyone know. Letting no one know is not the same as letting everyone know or not the opposite. Letting someone know who could benefit from it is, is okay. So just uh, bring them in. So preparing to do a good fast. Here's just a checklist you could use, but you could have your own. I'm not super good at checklists, but I think it's helpful. Right, think about it. When are you going to fast? Put it down. If you don't put it down, it may not happen. Answer this question. When are you actually going to do it? Maybe even take five seconds now and think about answering that question. Maybe even answer that question. When are you going to fast? What are you going to fast from? Why are you going to fast? What's the point? Remember, see the emptiness, embrace God's life. Who needs to know about this? Prepare your schedule. So make sure you have plenty of time to spend with God. It's one of the hardest parts of fasting is you have a lot more time. And so to not have to feel the emptiness, you could busy yourself. Because I'm going to fast... I'm going to go and do a lot more work so I don't have to feel the emptiness that fasting is going to expose. No, because you're going to fast, embrace the emptiness and allow the time to turn to God. So clear your schedule. Are you fasting with others? Can you invite someone to fast with you? Is there a friend that you fast? Are you embracing the emptiness of something? Do you want to invite a friend? Is it a friend's barrenness? And invite a group of friends. Invite the community group. Invite someone else. Is it breakthrough in your life? Then invite a friend you know been, that you've been walking with, that's been praying for you. I invite them to fast with you for that breakthrough to see God do something. Get your Bible and notebook ready. Get a good water bottle. 
not just a good water bottle, put water in it and drink lots of it. <laughs> All right, that's a good way. Okay, in our groups, um, here's some ideas for spiritual exercises. There's seven of them. There's seven. You, this is, again, all of these lists you can continue on. Here's just seven to get us starting on. Here's seven ways that you can consider fasting. Why don't you read through the list together and talk about one. I'm not saying that you have to commit to this, but talk about one that you think you would be open to doing, you'd like to do. You feel attracted to trying this type of fasting. Seven, seven of them. Uh, two minutes. Everyone select one. This is really great. Um, I found this to be a really helpful question when fasting and you see the things, I, you know, if you said, hey, Mark, do you like browsing the internet? Or do you like, I would have said, no, I never browse the internet. I, I hardly ever go on YouTube or, and then you fast and it's like, oh my gosh, the internet's like my favorite friend. <laughs> can distract you. I can tell you every news bulletin from every newspaper in 14 <laughs> countries, uh, every sports score from sports I never knew even existed. <laughs> uh, it's like, oh, that's a quick run to when the emptiness starts getting exposed and the discomfort comes. Instead of embracing God, yeah. embrace the Okay, so that's a, that's a, a, a form of comfort to me, a, a quick replacement um, for me. Uh, so what does this tell me about my heart? What does my heart cling to? Uh, what does it run for? What is your attitude towards fasting and self-denial as we go through? Anyway, you can read those if you do it. Um, I think they're quite helpful, and they won't all be helpful to you, but some of them might. Here's a conclusion. This is what I want to ask you to do. Pick a day this week to fast. Decide to fast. Either decide to do a meal. That's a good place to start, and then set some, set some time aside. Um, or decide to do 24 hours. Don't, don't, don't go from, those of you who go from 0 to 100 in 3.7 seconds, uh, that's okay, but just make sure you're able to do that. Otherwise, just be gentle, be kind um, to yourself. And this is hopefully something, you know, if you, could, if you bring this into your practice weekly, then you're going to fast like 50 times this year. That's great. That's probably a lot more than you did last year. So you, you don't have to go like two or three times straight away, like two or three days. Don't go insane straight away. You know, just, just be gentle, ease into it, but make it part of your habits. So if, we, if we're looking at these habits, if we're praying daily, if we're Sabbathing weekly, if we're fasting weekly, and if we're in the Scriptures daily, and we do that consistently, we're going to build a rule of life, a trellis, that's going to produce incredible uh, spiritual fruit. If you just grow on that trellis and cling to it, and aim upwards towards God, we see the fruit that grows from it. We see the breakthroughs that come, the testimonies that come as we fast and feast and pray and uh, hear God speak to us. Um, so, so pick a day this week and decide to fast. Secondly, make space in your schedule to be with God in prayer. So create that space around your fast and then allow for the emptiness to be exposed and use it to embrace God. That's the scary part. That's the confrontation. Allow for it to be exposed and use it to embrace God. Let it inform your prayers. Let it help you to cry out to God. Let it give you, let it impassion you. Let it um, kind of direct you. Use it as fuel because you won't have food necessarily. Then <laughs> um, obviously it goes without saying, if, if uh, you can't, if because of your situation you can't not eat, um, then fast something else. There's a myriad of things you can fast. But uh, if you are able to fast food, I haven't found, personally, I haven't found one that is better than food, that works better than food. But, but 
if God is particularly calling you through His Spirit to, to highlight an area that you run to, like let's say you're a workaholic and the Holy Spirit just puts in you, just take a day of work and do nothing and f- confront that emptiness. Look at it straight in the face. Now, if you're lazy, don't do that. <laughs> I said if you're a workaholic, take a day off work. <laughs> you, you understand? If you're, a, if, you're a, if you're a massive saver, if your hope is in your savings, then take that week's savings, fast from saving, and just give it away. Experience the emptiness that God is your provider. Embrace God as your provider. The emptiness that you are not your provider. That your savings will not save you. But food at the end of the day gets really to the core of, of a lot of things. But there are some very specific things we can do over time. But we'd love to grow this. I'm asking you to start this week because soon enough we are going to do a corporate fast. I won't announce anything today, but we are going to fast as a church, for the church and for our city. But we'd like to get some kind of muscle, maybe not muscle memory yet, but kind of fitness towards that end uh, in all of us. So we'd love to start and, and start making habits. Start getting in a rhythm of this, and then we'll do something together in not too long a time.